When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Text here to 630-630. Meg texting in after the Shakir Bell interview. She calls Shakir Bell her new favorite Eskimo. All right. Well, let's hope he uh, he reinforces that love on Sunday against the Rough Riders. Nels says, uh, hey, Reed, about the sellout for the Oil Kings. Good to see. And even though it's because most people want to see Rogers place for the first few games, if it brings in 500 to 1,000 new interested fans when all is said and done, then good for the Oil Kings and their long-term fan support. That is from Nels. And, uh, you know, no doubt, uh, Western Hockey League action, very good. You know, I know, uh, uh, hey, we know what the, this town is like. If, if you're not the Edmonton Oilers, sometimes you, you struggle a little bit for tickets and fan support. So people going to see the building, maybe they see an Oil Kings game and say, hey, this is worth, uh, you know, maybe a couple other visits to the rink this season. So Nels is right. Hopefully it has that impact. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Of course, we have World Cup of Hockey games on 630 Ched starting on uh, Saturday night and uh, talk a little bit about uh, international and probably some local hockey as well. And pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, former Edmonton Oilers defenseman, Randy Gregg. Randy, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Yeah, really good to have you on the show, Randy. Great, great to catch up with you. I, I know you probably get sick of hearing this, but uh, always, uh, always fun to interview a guy I, I can remember watching when I was a little bit of a younger individual. Well, let's just we can leave the exact timeline out of the out of the picture there. But uh, you know, one of the great things about as you get older, uh, people often forget of all the mistakes you made. And they only remember what all your teammates did that was great. So as I get older, I think I'm getting better. Yeah, exactly. Didn't you get an overtime goal in the playoffs one year? Boy, I've got a bad memory. It was probably went off Wayne Gretzky or something, <laughs> or he banked it in off you or something, right? A lot, <laughs> a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys say that. What is your? You know, it's funny. I, I put on Twitter that that uh, that that you were going to be on, so you know people can chime in. So, somebody asked me your your level of uh, your level of interest in in the current Oilers and and the current NHL. Have you have, have you have you stayed a have you stayed a fan? Have you stayed an observer? You know, when I grew up in Edmonton, I was a big fan of the Oilers back in the WHA. And then the NHL is a bit of a fan. Even when I played, it was such a uh, challenge and a, and a great opportunity to play with some of the greatest players that ever played hockey. Um, you know, my kids were getting older, and I, you know, it's, it's nice to be a fan from afar. But uh, you know, there's lots of things in life, hockey being one of them. And I think that good balance. I try to show my kids that uh, you know we try to do things as good as we can, but there's a balance. So you know, I'll watch uh, the highlights and, and cheer, of course, our home team on. But um, you know, a few hours to go to a game. Sometimes it's easier to just spend time with your family. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you know, we we wanted to, to talk to you because you have an interesting perspective. And, and for people who don't remember, uh, I mean, one of the first uh, you were you were a U of A Golden Bear, and then you got an awesome opportunity to play for uh, Canada at the 1980 Olympics. 
And it's interesting, Randy, because so much has changed with international hockey. And now that pros have been going since 1998, I mean, the national team program has changed, and guys like you... Um, you know, now lo- no longer get that get that opportunity with the transition to pros in the Olympics. I mean, uh, wh- what do you think of that? Do you look at it as an opportunity lost for guys like you, or an opportunity gained to showcase the NHL? Well, absolutely. I, I would look back and, and realize that there wouldn't be one chance uh, in a million that I would ever get to play in the Olympic Games if it was the same format. Now, uh, you know, I think you have to look at it from three perspectives. Uh, the first of the fans, and you know, what fan wouldn't want to see? more of the greatest players in the NHL playing for their countries. I mean, the format works beautifully, and that's why, of course, the, the Olympics now are so uh, watched avidly. And, and so I think there's no question that uh, every fan will get a, a great deal of benefit from that. Uh, from the player standpoint, uh, you know, I, I look back and I think about all those summers that, you know, fortunately we went pretty deep in the playoffs most years, so we didn't have a long summer. But those long summers after uh, 80 games of banging as hard as you can, those were very important summers. And I remember Wayne and, and Mark Messier and, and the, the great players on our team, you know, graciously accepting to go to the Canada Cups and to go to all these extra events. And I'm thinking, you know, as much as I, I wish I was as good as them and I'd get the opportunity, you know, that extra rest just allowed me to be prepared for the season that, you know, what was coming up with the Oilers. Um, so, you know, from a player's perspective, of course, they love to represent their country. But this is a big task. You know, they're out there a lot earlier uh, on the ice than the rest of the players in the NHL. So it's a big commitment for them. But, of course, when you uh, play for your team uh, and also for your city, and, of course, in that case, for your country, it's, it's a big privilege for sure. Uh, finally, of course, the NHL. Um, you know, I think a good analogy is, is FIFA. You know, the uh, <clears throat> Olympics had soccer, and of course they allowed the under-23 players to go. FIFA would never relinquish the World Cup because of course the finances. You know, I think FIFA makes enough money through the World Cup to fund not only the national programs in many countries, but a lot of the feeder systems, the under-20s, the under-17s. So it's a very, very big money maker, and I think it, you know, it's fairly obvious that over the years when the NHL has been to the Olympics, uh, the Olympics uh, want to get the profile of the NHL players, but of course, you know, the NHL is, is, is a business. There's no question about that. And what they want to do is they want to gain the revenue. So I think we see that uh, now the, uh, the NHL wanted to get the control over the Olympic hockey. They now want to come with this uh, world hockey format, which, again, for the fans is going to be a great experience. But, you know, it's simply just to, to control uh, international hockey and to gain the financial rewards. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that, and I, and I mean, I, I had a lot of listeners call it that over the summer, saying, you know, it's a cash grab, it's kind of a fabricated, uh, you know, made-up tournament, why do we need it with the Olympics? Now, I think a lot of those same people are interested now that it's starting in a couple of days, but but yeah, there is that attitude out there. You played in the 84 Canada Cup, Randy, and I've talked over the last couple of weeks on this show about my... I don't even know what to call it, my reverence for the 1987 tournament. That was uh, an absolute classic. And in 84, Canada won. I, I mean, looking back as a fan, as a teenager from that era, to me, that was such a pinnacle of international hockey because that was the best on best. The Soviets weren't here. There weren't as many Finns and Swedes even as as, as there are now. What do, you, what do you remember about the hype and some of the rivalries from that 84 Canada Cup? Yeah, well, that was a, a great experience. And first of all, I can remember the first game was in Montreal, and uh, but we had just won the Stanley Cup, so our team had done you know fairly well. And both Charlie Huddy and I, both defensive defensemen, were asked to be in the Canada Cup. And I, I phoned Glenn Taylor and said, Glenn, I, I'm no superstar. I shouldn't be on that team. Uh, he says, No, I want to have a team with some defensive players, some offensive players. And 
so Charlie and I both uh, got there. Anyway, we got to the Montreal Forum, and up in the rafters there was a sign, Huddy plus Greg equals Sather. <laughs> so <laughs> it was pretty obvious, and I agreed with the man. I think, you know, they, those are profiles for the great players, the fabulous players that the fans love to watch. They don't really want to watch defensive defensemen or, you know, stalwart defensive uh, forwards. Uh, as much as in the NHL or in the Stanley Cup, those are important players. Uh, this would be a, a, a great showcase for the young players. And the one thing I do remember from that time is, you know, sitting in, in Bath, uh, getting ready for practice and looking over at Mike Bossier and Trache and, and some of these great players that I had only had the chance to play against. And I look upon these young Oiler players, uh, some of them that are, you know, fabulous, fabulous athletes. But I really think this is going to be a great experience for them to be in a dressing room that's so positive and led by the leaders of the NHL. So uh, I've seen it in the newspapers a little bit that, that many of the columnists believe this will be a, a coming out for some of the young Oiler players. And, you know, I believe that could be very true. Well, you, you raise a you raise a good point about, um, and, and now the the individual has to be willing to accept the lessons as well and be open minded. But but I mean there is that sort of, sort of uh, you know rubbing off aspect to to playing on these uh, quote unquote all star teams. And, and you know I, I would, Rob Brown and I do the the. The, the 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 show after the game and Rob played in the NHL as you know and he and he says you know no pl- every player in the NHL thinks he's working hard enough right he thinks he's preparing properly but then sometimes you get exposed to something and it'll click like oh that's really what I should be doing right you know exactly years ago there was kind of a funny experience uh, a fellow named Doug Hallruder was playing with the uh, Detroit Red Wings and he got traded to our team at the end of the year and Doug happened to sit beside me in the dressing room. And after the first practice, we came in, and we just did our usual practice, about an hour, but, you know, high intensity. And I said, Doug, how was it? And he looked at me straight as anything, and he said, you guys practice harder than we play. <laughs> that was kind of funny. But, you know, it's reflective that if you practice high intensity, what are you going to do on the ice? And we didn't know we were at high intensity. We just realized that that was the way it was. Mark Macy demanded it. Wayne Gretzky demanded it. The players uh, accepted that. And it became uh, natural. And so when you look back and you think, you know, was it lucky that that team was so good? Was it lucky that we were successful? Or maybe that work ethic? And, you know, I didn't know any better. It certainly wasn't on my shoulders, but really that leadership. So, you know, if you look around and you see a Sidney Crosby or some of these great players in the NHL, you know, I just I can't believe that it won't do anything but really great uh, great experiences for these young players. I, I gotta I, I just want to go back to the '84 Canada Cup for a little bit because Randy, you know, I, I referenced telling stories about being a fan. You know, you know, I was 13 in 1987. I think that was the perfect age to enjoy that tournament too. Of course, you know, <laughs> uh, and in '84 you guys beat the Soviets in a dramatic game at, at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, and then you beat Sweden in a best of three final. There was something about Canada. Soviet Union games there, and I've even said, you know what, it's, an, it's a politically incorrect term, but I'm going to use it. It was Canada against the Dirty Commies. That's how a lot of people thought of them. Did you, did you feel those were more than just uh, hockey games as a player? It was almost like this way of hockey, way of life type matchup for some fans? Well, much like when you were young, you remember those times when you see uh, pivotal games. I was 16 when my older brother and I went to Moscow for the uh, the Canada-Russia series, uh, I saw the Paul Henderson goal from Luzhniki Stadium and 16 years old, it, it kind of, uh, and, and looking around and seeing the Russian fans and so forth, experience that culture. So, no, I, I never really thought the Russians were particularly dirty. In fact, I thought Alan Eagleson was probably a lot more dirty than <laughs> most of the Russians. But, uh, but interesting story, and I, I think it kind of embodies what, what the way I felt about the Russians. Uh, Father David Bauer was a fellow that I got to know very well in 1980, and 
And back in the 1960s, Father Bauer ran the national program before Canada said, if we can't send our NHLs, we're not sending anybody. So we, we bowed out of the Olympics. And Father Bauer had a, a story he told me. Um, he was talking with Anatoly Tarasov, who was the father of modern Russian hockey. And Anatoly Tarasov talked about four components of any game. And if any organization, if any country, if any city could dominate these four components, they'd be the ultimate champions for years and years. And he talked about the first one is conditioning. And he said the Russians are by far and away the best conditions. They used to train so much harder than we did. Uh, secondly is tactics, you know, the breakout strategies, four-trekking strategies. Our coaches have studied film long before uh, the Canadians did. We know that from a tactical standpoint, we're, we're much, much better than everybody else. Thirdly is, is coaching, the ability to motivate and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, our coaches are, are really, really strong. But he said that final component, that one component that we just can't get, that you Canadians have, if we could ever get that component, we would dominate the world in hockey. And he said it's that indomitable spirit that you Canadians have. And, you know, it's, it's a reflection, I think, on years of Canadian hockey, uh, us being so proud of our Canadian players to go out and play like that. And so when you are in Luzhniki Stadium and there are 16,000 Russians yelling and screaming at you and you are against the big red machine, uh, you know, there's, uh, people joke about a little bit that you're wearing the, the Maple Leaf, but, you know, in those situations, that Maple Leaf is really, really big. Randy, that's a, I, I did not know. that. How in the world did you get to go to that game? Do you mind if I ask? Yeah, well, for a two-week trip back there, it cost a whole $700. Uh, flights, uh, accommodations, the tickets to every game, uh, all the food you can eat, and unfortunately at 16, all the vodka you can drink, which uh, <laughs> they didn't have a lot of orange juice back there. And at 16, I wasn't much of a vodka drinker, but that's all I had in Russia at that point. <laughs> well, that that is incredible. What an experience that would have been. Uh, Randy, we'll have to do this again because uh, uh, your answers to my questions just raised more questions I'd like to ask you sometime, but uh, we got to move along here. Thanks a lot for your perspective. I, I think it will be fun watching this World Cup for sure, even though, as we talked about, the international landscape uh, certainly has changed since you were a member of Team Canada. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Have a good night. That is Randy Gregg, former Edmonton Oilers defenseman, checking in tonight, 1980, Canadian Olympian. By the way, you probably remember he... Uh he went back and played in the 1988 Olympics in Calgary uh, as well. And, of course, uh, he was uh, in the 1984 Canada Cup. And, uh, yeah, won Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers. Pretty interesting guy. And, of course, Dr. Randy Gregg. That was part of his storyline as well. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. And speaking of... The World Cup, Connor McDavid saying today that he says, uh, hey, we're t- Team North America. All the pressure's on Canada. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, you know, when you put on the Canadian jersey, that, you know, that comes with all the pressure, um, you know, to win and, and all that. So, you know, that uh, Team Canada definitely has all the pressure on them to win in, in Toronto and all that. So, for us, we're, you know, we're not really feeling too much pressure. No one's really expecting us to win, which is nice. So, um, you know, we believe in ourselves, though, and, and um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, I think we're, we're, you know, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do good. A little bit from Connor McDavid. You'll also hear from Leon Dreisaitl later on in the show. Oh, and this is going to be fun. You always love it when he drops in. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by Greg Reynolds from Kiss and Country 103.9, the uh, major market country station of the year. That award was handed out a few days ago. That's all ahead. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Jay Onright from FS1. Or from Athabasca. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. We get some 
had to pay Jay $10,000 to voice that. Really? It is 724. It's inside sports on 630. No, not really, Kellen Kennedy. I was going to say, I'm in the wrong business then. It was only 5000 Oh, okay. The New York Jets leading Buffalo 13-7. Uh, what are we, about six minutes into the second quarter. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on 630, Chet. This portion of the show, presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino, the Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park this Saturday. Be there for a great day of racing. We're going to have a great day here on uh, 630 Chet on Saturday. What do we got, Kellen? Is it Canada-Czech Republic? Yeah, that's the World Cup opener. That's the 6 o'clock game. Yep. World Cup opener. And then uh, after that, we'll go to Penticton, and that's the Oilers' Flames on yeah. Saturday night from the Young Stars Tournament. So I'll go out to Penticton tomorrow. And uh, fourth time, I'm going to Penticton. Back-to-back hockey on a Saturday night. <laughs> That's 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 a that's a scary voice. You can text six thirty six thirty. Hank says a great interview. Have Doctor Randy Gregg on more often. He was good. If uh, yeah, Randy's uh, gracious enough to join us in the future. Would love to have him on the show. Yes, a member of the uh, nineteen eighty four Canada Cup team, along with uh, Charlie. Had a great story. How he said, <laughs> Greg, he saw a sign before their first game. Greg plus Huddy equals Sather, and he's like, yes, that's why we were there. Our NHL coach. <laughs> put together the roster and got him on the team. That 84 Canada Cup team didn't do that well in uh, the round robin. Wound up fourth out of six teams, got into the semifinal. Uh, Paul Coffey broke up a two-on-one in overtime. Then Mike Bossy got the winner. And then Canada played Sweden in the best two out of three uh, championship series. First game in Calgary, they won. Second game in Edmonton, they won to win the tournament. And that was, uh, I mean, for Canadians, that was bigger than the Olympics at the time because it was best on best. It was our NHL guys and the best players from the Soviet Union, Czechoslovakia. And it's funny, the Americans, who have become a very good hockey nation, obviously, didn't even have a full team of NHL players. They'd have to dip into the NCAA ranks to fill out their roster. So times have changed a lot for the United States. Still ahead, we'll have a little uh, preview of some of the uh, storylines from the Young Stars Tournament. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network will join me in about 40 minutes. Greg Reynolds from Kissin' Country 103.9 is going to pop in for... Well, we're generally all over the chase, all, all over the place with Greg. So we'll see how that goes. And you'll hear from Leon Dreisaitl, Todd McClellan, a little more from Connor McDavid as well. This is Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. We are at halftime. Talk to you again in a few minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Well, thank you for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Jets driving the ball against the Bills up 13-7. Five minutes left in the first half. Thursday night football. One of my favorite programs of all time. Not. What? It's bad. Oh, you're one of those guys. The games are bad. The games aren't up to appealing. my standard of NFL. What, what else are you doing Thursday nights? I'm hosting Nothing. the show. 
And this gives you something to talk about. What else are you going to talk true. about? Gives there you another, go. You're welcome. for the crystal glass scoreboard. Oh, I hate the Thursday night haters. Like, relax. It's football. Enjoy it. Well, and still it's all division it. rivalries on Thursdays. It's great. Okay. And those Bills uniforms are good. Horrible. They all red? Horrible. Come on. Horrible. No, I'm being a sour guy about this. I'm sorry. I'm being Captain Negative. By the way, in your call of Jets driving, I would rather you do the, the Kevin Harlan thing. Do you see that from this weekend? Which one? And the guy is drunk, and he's taking his shirt off. Well, I didn't see that. You didn't see that? Was that from the game against the Bengals? <laughs> no, it was the Monday night snoozer between San Fran and whoever. Oh, oh LA. that one, yes. I, I, I was watching that game with some buddies at a, an establishment, so I was more visiting with my friends. So there was, a, there was like a uh, wannabe streaker at some point, and... The radio guy for, I don't know, whatever. He was so bored with the game, he just started calling the streaker. He's like, he's at the 40. He's at the 30. The guy is drunk. Here comes security. It was awesome. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, man. Uh, Decker just got a touchdown for the Jets. Oh, throw it to Marshall. Give me some fantasy points. (laughs) You're all about the fantasy. By the way, that's Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country 1039. Hello. What's your show called again, the Greg Reynolds Show? That's about it. Yep. It's uh, on from what, 2 to 7? 2 to 7. Yeah. Yeah, good job. You do a great job, by the hey, way. Hey, thanks so much. You've never listened in your no, life. No, I didn't even know who you were until <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Do you work in this building, said, and how did you get he here? He said, hey, Greg Reynolds is coming up to be on your show. I was like, why would I have, who, who is that? Who's that guy? Burt Reynolds? Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh. I can grow a mustache like him. You had a nice beard going, by the way. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like two weeks. That's it? Yeah, yeah. good. Good yeah. stuff. Get your fall beard going. You can't see it, so that's really. I mean, this no, does we'll nothing tweet, for we'll you. We'll tweet out a picture. Greg's beard picture. Greg, you should start <laughs> super a exciting account. stuff at uh, six thirty chat on Twitter. You should start a Twitter account for your beard. <laughs> oh, you found it. Okay. Play, oh, the Kevin Harlan Kellen, thing. It's so good. Kellen's got it. Yeah. Third and four, looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop that man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, they got him. Here comes the blue coach. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Best That's call the of all. Westwood one call. Yeah. The radio call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Best call I had, of the night. I, somehow I missed that. That was So good. Great game, too. Eh? Oh, it's great. Did the Rams get a first down? Uh, no, if you look at their drive chart, it's <laughs> punt, 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 pick, punt, 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 pick, turnover on downs. It's awful. Yeah. Well, they got shut out, so. By, by Blaine Gabbert. don't happen often. He's good. He was, He's good, in, so he was awful. good in Missouri. You're wrong. He wasn't. Oh, in college he was good. How was he in Jacksonville? Well, nobody's good in Jacksonville. Really? Well, they might be okay this Blake year. Blake Bortles? Yeah, Solid. Some people are saying Jacksonville's finally going to be good this year. Well, they got a lot of first-round talent on their defense. They got some corners. That, yeah, they might be good, but it's Jacksonville. They almost beat Green Bay, and I was uh, I was watching that game with Green Bay's defensive stand at the end. I just Or I think I was watching another game, and then they flipped to the end of that one. Yeah. And it must have been half Green Bay fans in Jacksonville. When well, their defense is going? was on the field. Well, that, and that's and that's the one thing that you know people say, or you know, when you read stuff, that that's the one NFL regret of all because the, they've made a lot of good business decisions over the years. That, that if they could go back in time, they wouldn't put a team there. Probably a solid trip, but where do you put it? Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> they got, there was they were twenty years without. Was was LA still in the league when Jacksonville first joined? I don't know if they were. No, they were gone by then. I think they were already yeah. just gone. That was sort of the transition period, I think, actually. Because yeah, 96 was was Jacksonville. 
And I wasn't think that the, Rams, the last year the St. Louis was the Rams? It might have been. Yeah. First year. It was right around there. I mean, I don't where would have they gone? I don't know. Uh, who else? Well, Cleveland lost a team and got it back. That was the same. Thank era. goodness they got it back because, boy, they've given their fans a treat well, since they returned. Baltimore wouldn't have had a team then. Yeah. Would have they? Yeah, they were around then too. Was the, were the rate Like the, the 96 there? era was sort of around the time when everything was happening at that. Because Baltimore won their, their Super Bowl in 2001, so they had to be around for a bit before that. Yeah, Reed, it was the first year to relocation of the formerly Cleveland Browns to Baltimore as well, a Okay, so that was in 96. And Jacksonville was in the league, 9-7. and seven, Made the playoffs and upset the Chiefs. Yeah, they had year. Tom Coughlin. They were actually good. Jacksonville beat Buffalo, then upset Denver, then lost the AFC. The, the, okay, that was Jacksonville and Carolina were both in their second year and both made the conference championship games. That was that year. That's pretty cool. Right. So, yeah, well, I mean, we were slightly off, but I understand what you're saying. So, yeah, Los Angeles uh, has has a team back. They have, they have yet they to have score. Half a point. Team. They play the Seahawks on Sunday, I believe. So there you go. Uh, Greg Reynolds in studio. You went to the Eskimos game on Saturday, buddy? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was fun. It was good to see double overtime at Suck the way it ended, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, they, well, the the Eskimo, we'll see what happens against Saskatchewan. I, I was saying earlier in the show, a lot of people are worried about this game, and that's that's the that's the the thing with the Eskimos this year. The, the it's now there's a lot of worry. Like last year, you got around this time of year was when you started to realize, okay, they'd beaten Calgary, and then they pulled out a couple close games, and you just got that sense that they will figure it out, regardless of the the makeup of the game. They they will figure it out. They will solve the problem that that is this game. This year, isn't it a little bit opposite? It is like, opposite. You feel like they'll find a way to give it to away. lose it. Yeah, yeah. And and even when Calgary got to twenty thirteen, you know, I felt that way. A lot of people I've talked to have felt that way. Even when Calgary got to twenty thirteen, you started feeling like, uh oh, as opposed to like, okay, whatever. If they got a touchdown, but we're still up seven. Well, wasn't it Saskatchewan vibe. that that was the win on the overtime? Like had to get a yard, didn't Second get a yard. Season, yeah. yeah, I was at that game too. That was an incredible game. It Both was teams an incredible blew, game. Like, it was amazing. Both teams blew a lead. Saskatchewan got out to a lead. The Eskimos stormed back, had a lead. Then Saskatchewan gets 17 points at the end of the game. You also have to look at your division, right? I mean, BC and Calgary are so much better than everybody else. Yes. That you're well, thinking, Winnipeg's doing well. Don't count them out. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not a big bomber, believe me. <laughs> they, keep, they keep winning, and I keep thinking, like, oh, that won't go on. They're also they keep doing it. in the garbage can for me this week because of what they did to that nine-year-old kid, the fans in the stands. Do you see that? Which one was that? Oh, it was, at the, it was at the Banjo Bowl rematch. Yeah. And so this nine-year-old kid gets tickets. Him and his mom go oh, to their first game. Yeah, okay. I'll and, tell it. and he's got a green hoodie on. He's a Bombers fan, but he's got a green hoodie on. And these idiot fans, Bomber fans, are like, like bullying this nine-year-old kid. One lady pours a beer on his head because they think he's cheering for Saskatchewan. I'm like, it's a nine-year-old kid. That's not good form. Relax. You know, you want good memories of your first game, and you can check out the story at kissnfm.com. Cheap plug. <laughs> Uh, well, I want to congratulate uh, Kiss and Country 1039. You guys are the, what's the exact, you won the Canadian Country Music Award for best large market country station? We're the radio station of the year, yeah. Radio station of the year, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, and Chris, How Jack, and Matt that? in the morning, they're the personalities of the year. That's who people want to listen to most in Canada. That's awesome. Which is fantastic. So who votes for that? I don't know, but I like them a lot this year. So Chris Sheets is like such a humble guy. Is he like strutting around this week, or is he same old Chris? <laughs> I don't ever see him. 
But you guys never crossed that's over a, at all? That's how humble he is. Does he even know Doesn't you, make does time he for know the you work like, there? No, he has He's no saying, idea. I don't know you work <laughs> there. Does he know you work there? No, he's the best. And and honestly, nobody's more deserving than that crew, and I'm so happy to ride on their coattails. I feel very lucky. Uh, Brett Kissel, Alberta boy, won Interactive I can handle Artist this if you'd like. Year. No, I think I run, let me, the Interactive <laughs> Artist of the Year, Male Artist of the Year, and Fans, the Fans' Choice Fan Award. Fan Choice Award, which is the everybody wants to win the Fan Choice Award, right? You want to be the fans' favorite artist, and for him to pull that out was huge. I don't think we take these moments for granted. Last night when we got back to the hotel, and we had some of the team back for, you know, some drinks and just a real celebration. That was the moment I think in some ways it sunk in because I just started crying like a baby. I just couldn't believe it happened. He was on, obviously, your station earlier this week. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if pretty, he got any sleep. incredible story. He won Sunday night, partied all night, celebrated with his friends and his crew and his family, and then was on with Chris, Jack, and Matt in the morning. So I don't know if he'd been to bed by that point, but I wouldn't have been. What What do you think has made, and I mean, he's he's still young. He's got most of his career still ahead of him, obviously. But what do you think has made him successful so far and that has allowed him to, to you know earn his way into the the affection of the public. I think I think right there is the one thing we all love and it's so good with social media is being able to connect in a way that we haven't been able to do before and that's why he won interactive artist of the year is because I mean we were basically in the delivery room when uh, Cecilia and Brett had Mila and he's sharing these moments with with his because he's treating everybody as friends and family and not hey you're my fan I'm the artist. It's like, hey, come on board with me. This is my life. Mm-hmm. Be a part of my life. I want to see your life. And he does a lot of cool things on stage and, you know, brings kids up. And this, there's this one kid from the East Coast that had a 100-day Brett Kissel countdown. And every day he would send Brett a picture. So Brett started a cash countdown till when he got to meet this kid. Oh, nice. Then he brought the kid on stage and they sang together. He gave him a, a signed guitar. And it, it's stuff like that that people just... It's above and beyond, and people really appreciate it. But but you still have to have the music, right? I, oh, yeah, he's I, incredible. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, and there are there are some people who are famous just for being famous. Whether you want to talk about Kim Kardashian or Nicole, I you never know, want to talk about them. You, you, don't, you don't put Brett Kissel in that category. As much as he has uh, cleverly, successfully used social media to promote himself and his career, which he should do. He has yeah. a job where you need people to to buy your music. Uh, I mean, I mean, I would think if he didn't have the content, he wouldn't be able to maintain that popular. So, what is it about Brett musically that you think connects with fans? Oh, I've, I mean, it's it's I don't I don't know how to answer that one. I mean, I I don't know what connects with different people, but I know that songs that I like on Kissin', the majority of our listeners like. So mm-hmm. it's just it's a sound, it's a feeling to the music, it's a feeling you get when you hear airwaves or tough people do is a r- really big song for him that connects with a lot of people. He had a moment Sunday night when he performed with Carolyn Don Johnson and he did a song called um, I Didn't Fall in Love with Your Hair. And he brought his mom out who's been battling cancer for a long time. And a bunch of other women that have been battling cancer and you know some of them they they've lost their hair because of chemo and things like that and the song is so powerful and he's fighting back tears and we're all fighting back tears watching this thing and it's things like that it's emotions like that when you listen to music that stick with you so so it's almost like you're telling me there's there's a reality to him there's a there's a the genuine the genuine is is absolutely a hundred percent yeah that's what it is 
Right. It's not. It's not. Here's a. Here's. Here's a contrived song that I hope makes you cry. It's here's something that made me cry that I'm going to communicate. Yeah. That, listen. Listen that's to. The, that's what he's been able to find. Listen to tough people do. Listen to. I didn't fall in love with your hair. It just. There's feelings that you get inside yourself that you're like, man, you're speaking to me right now. So thank you. Uh, Travis in Sylvan Lake says, hey, Reed, where do I get to vote for your show for some random radio accolades? Ha ha, Rad Show as always. Cheers. Uh, you just uh, write a handwritten letter to my boss, Sid Smith. That's what you do. <laughs> Does anybody write ha- letters anymore? Handwritten. <laughs> has, to, has to specifically be, be uh, handwritten. Also, aren't, aren't, like, you might have some tough competition. There might be, like, some Tradio you're going up against, like, some canning jars being sold. I don't know if you'd win. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm up against uh, the, the overnight show, the alien show we have, uh, what's it called? Uh, not at night. That uh, Overnight. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. That's what I meant. Ooh. The uh, the alien show. Can you can the, you? I got I got I got to get our I got to get our postal code so he can uh, write a letter. You're actually gonna get a snail mail. Well, you do yeah. that. Can I can I <laughs> you, get on my? I wanted to come in here with a Patriots rant. Can I do it? Uh, like, oh, New England Patriots. Yeah. I yeah. You meant... <laughs> no, no, just all Patriots. Just... It's <laughs> New England. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so give me your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo because everybody's all hyped over this kid after beating Arizona on the road. Uh, well, I only saw like the last nine minutes of that game. I took we took my dad out for dinner on Sunday. So what I see, because I I follow a lot of sports pages, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. That's why I'm here. Is a lot of people like, oh, he's the next Brady. He's the next big thing. He is the well, next you know franchise that? quarterback. And the reason I liked his performance is because it proved a theory that I've had for about ten years. And it's Tom Brady's not good. Bill Belichick's oh, good. Oh my God! Can I tell you why? Okay, I'll, I'll let you finish. Let me do then this, I'll okay? Rebut. Then I'll Please. offer my rebuttal. Y- yeah, hang on to your rebut for a second, and then you can hand it to me after I'm done, okay? <laughs> All right, so here's my thing. You can, you can appreciate what Tom Brady's done, but you can also look at the fact that when he was out for a season, they brought in Matt Castle, and they went 11-5, and five, just missed the playoffs, okay? 11-5 and five with a guy who hadn't played quarterback since high school. And everybody's like, oh, Matt Castle's the next big thing. He signs big contracts. He's going to be somebody's next franchise quarterback. Where's Matt Castle now, Reed? Uh, is he still in the league? Exactly. I thought he so signed him. what happens when Matt Castle gets out of Bill Belichick's system is he's a total dumpster fire. And that's what would happen if you took Brady out of that system. If you take Castle out of that system, that's Garoppolo right now. But anybody you put in Bill, Bill is... Smarter than everybody else in the NFL. Bill Belichick, I hold in the most esteemed regard. He has my ultimate respect. He's just smarter than everybody else. But if you tell me that Tom Brady's a better quarterback than Peyton Manning, I will laugh in your face. No, I I, I, I agree with that. I've always said Manning is a better uh, a quarterback, and I think he took the position to a new level in in basically making it the you're the assistant or co-offensive coordinator. And I'm no great fan of the New England Patriots as a team. I, I, in fact, I generally dislike Boston and Boston area teams as a personal rule. Sure. Um, By the way, is this your rebut? Yeah, I'm starting it. Okay. If you were done, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. But though, though, I do think you are 
I mean, yes, certainly the coaching is, is important in, in football. You can create standards. You can create schemes. You can pick apart opponents. You can innovate probably more than in, in other sports. I think, you know, a, a football game compared to 30 years ago would look more different than any other sport if compared if compared to 30 years ago. But I, but I think to say that Tom Brady is simply a product of Bill Belichick is is overstating it. And yes, sure, he was drafted 200th or whatever it was, so he wasn't considered a prospect. But I do think you still have to give the athlete credit for being able to execute, for being able to make the throws, for being able to to think the game along the same lines as his coach. I I, I don't. So think, why why I can I like do I give Matt Castle credit for going eleven and five and then being a booger eater for the rest of his life? So what do you what do you do? Well, they had a good they had a good team all around, right? They missed the playoffs, by the way, when you, they went eleven. You went eleven and five. And then he's done nothing because he's out of the system. He doesn't have the smartest man in football being like, here's what you need to do to win this week. And that's what Brady's had for his entire career. And so I'm, I'm just saying, if you took Tom out of the system, maybe he'd still be good, but he would, you wouldn't talk about him but, as but, some but people even, do, the but, all-time but he, greatest quarterback. But even quarterback. so, that's, that's one of those what-ifs, like... Yeah, I don't like what-ifs, it, you're right like, about that. I mean, they're, they're fun to talk about to an extent, but I mean... You know what if what if Tiger Woods hadn't got injured? You're what, right. What if, I don't. I don't like what if. What You're if, right what about if, that. What if he had decided to try to become a Navy SEAL? But I'll tell you right how now. How many majors would he have? But he doesn't. That's how things happen. If somebody signs Jimmy Garoppolo because of what he does in these first four games, he's going to be garbage. That's it. Well, maybe he's going to be terrible. No, I'm telling you, there, this isn't a what if. This is a guarantee. Address the letter to Sid oh, Smith, common spelling of Smith, <laughs> S-Y-D for the first name, 5204 84th oh, Street, man. Edmonton, T6E5N8, T6E5N8, uh, a handwritten letter you should to tweet our it out, program say, director if you uh, want about to Inside Sports. Tweet it out. 751, we're back in a couple minutes. <laughs> This is a Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. By the way, this song, Bounce by Bon Jovi, dedicated to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots in the album. Did you know that? Oh, man. That gives me another reason to hate him. <laughs> That's Greg Reynolds from Kissing Country 103.9, the uh, radio station of the year. You guys won that at the... Canadian Country Music Awards in London. When was that, Sunday? Sunday night. And we got a text here from Michael who says, FM Music Radio is all a six times a day loop of crap and pop country is the rotting bottom of the festering heap. Glad you like my show, my friend. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think, Greg, your show is uh, uh, so much festering. Oh, good. You know, <laughs> Thank as, goodness. As, you know, maybe just... Uh, I'm not sure what the word. More pungent, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Wafting. I'm never crap smell like Chris Jack and Matt. They're winning a CCMA. Yeah. I'm never gonna win a CCMA. Well, see, after there, this. there's a there's a ceremony for all the lesser awards, just like for the Oscars. They have Oscar night, and then they always show that little video montage. Like two weeks ago, they gave out the technical awards, where it's like some guy <laughs> who invented a new little uh, scissor to trim nose hairs for an actor, right? And so actually, you your show won the uh, the pungent waft of crap. Award. When do I get Previous. the trophy? Uh, well, that was I was supposed to surprise it with you tonight. It's but, not here uh, yet. Or? I left it in my car, so my car probably <laughs> stinks now. 
Michael, thank you for the text. We do, uh, we do appreciate. It's great it. stuff. All right. So, uh, what, what's what's what, what, what's your? Uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, you're going to be paying attention to the Penticton tournament, World Cup of Hockey. What's what's on your radar, hockey wise? World Cup of Hockey, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday. So you know you can go down to Rogers Place and well, watch it on the big party. screen, right? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that is for uh, which North America, Finland. North America, Finland. Which okay, so here's my thing. Yeah. If North America and Canada are playing, who who are you on? Who are you cheering for? North America versus Finland. Canada. If they play, if it's Team North America versus Team Canada, who are you rooting for? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I haven't thought about. It's tough, that. right? I'd probably cheer for Canada. Uh, frustrated fan says, Reed, I love your guest. His argument about Brady has made you speechless that you had to go to commercial. I had a rebuttal! Yeah! <laughs> I had a rebuttal! <laughs> Woo! And I, again, I'm, I'm no Patriots fan, but I think you're belittling There was Brady's no rebuttal. There was a, maybe a rebut. Greg, we're going to do this again? Yeah, anytime you want. We'll preview the Penticton Young Stars tournament with Pat Steinberg. I know Patty, Patty S. Yeah, incredible human McLovin. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.